Welcome to the Grief Bully Podcast. I am your host, Jay Nicole. Thank you for joining our weekly discussion around grief, mental health, and overall personal wellness. The Grief Bully Podcast will serve as a vehicle to help you navigate life's journey. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the podcast with anyone in your life that you think it will help. Let's bully grief together. What's up? What's up? What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the Grief Bully Podcast. I am your host, Jay Nicole. Guys, we are back in the building, rocking and rolling, episode 156. And today we are going to be talking about grief, not because someone passed away, but certain scenarios that have them imprisoned away from our family, away from their friends, and so many different other scenarios. And yes, this all is coming on the heels of the Brittany Griner case. If you don't know who Brittany Griner is, she's a two-time Olympian. She's just a two-time gold medalist, excuse me. She's a basketball star here in the U.S., plays for the Phoenix Mercury, also has been playing overseas in Russia for the past, I think, seven seasons or so. Back in, I believe this was six months ago, February, I believe, she was detained in Russia, going back over there to play cannabis oil in a pen that was found. She's been there ever since, fighting for her freedom. And so has the United States, and a lot of other people here have been rallying for her. So when this episode is being recorded, again, you could be listening to this down the road or anything like that. It's the same exact day that her sentence actually was delivered. So she was convicted. She was found guilty. And she was sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia. And so I've been following the case pretty closely, like almost every single day. I'm a basketball enthusiast. I've, I've watched Brittany Grimes. She was in college and just kind of being familiar with her in a scenario. And the reality is it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking if you see anybody in this situation. It's, it's not just because of her celebrity or her status, but for me, it's because of her humanity. And so it got me to thinking that this situation is so sorrowful in so many ways But I really, I guess, I don't know if it's because I've been so immersed in the grief field and just with the sorrow and the mourning and all of those things. But immediately I think about the pain on her side, as well as her family and friends and what that could be like. And so it got me to thinking about a lot of other people, maybe like yourself or someone that you're close to who has had to grieve and deal with this experience of living life, but having a loved one that's incarcerated, maybe having a loved one that's been in an insane asylum, I don't even know if that, excuse me, if that's the correct terminology, but let's just say like a, a facility for their mental illness, psychiatric facility, there you go, like a psychiatric hospital is the better way to say that. So those scenarios or someone who may have a loved one that is in a situation where they're in a hospital, they're hospital bound, maybe they're intubated and they're unconscious, but they're still alive in a vegetative state. So it was a thing where I've talked about grieving the living, but I'm, I'm talking about situations that are way beyond our control. So if you just have a fallen out with a family member and or friend that you're no longer speaking or communicating, sure, that's grief and that's grieving the living. But I'm talking about circumstances that are beyond anyone's control. And so where Brittany is being detained in Russia for the next nine years, her family is also going to have to mourn and figure out her existence. Of course, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. There's so much with that. But from a political standpoint, I really don't want to get into too much of that conversation in the sense of what can happen. She could be released next week. She could be released in a couple of months or a couple of years. It all depends on this negotiations that the U.S. is going to be able to deliver. But 
she's married. She has a spouse. She has parents. She has siblings. And those people are here. And although that's on a big stage, so do we. So we have situations where I've, I will speak openly about my experience with this is that I have had family members that have been incarcerated and just having to deal with that. It's, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a really tough thing. And, and I don't think I speak about it enough on here about what that's like when you have to firsthand watch someone's freedom be taken away. And sure, you can argue in some scenarios a person made decisions that got them incarcerated. Fine. But they're still a human being and you still think about what I thought about the conditions and the circumstances that lead around that. And it's heartbreaking. It's hard to not be able to just pick up a phone and call someone. It's hard to not be able to just go visit them at any time. It's hard where your communication is solely based on letters. And I'm, again, heightening it and thinking about it, which brought us to this point was about Brittany Griner. And she's in another country, another country that has ex- exemplified racism, has exemplified homophobia and hatred towards black people, women and same sex couples, lesbians, gay, bisexual, transgender, whatever have you. And so that even adds extra layers. But even here, just having a loved one incarcerated in, in, in New Jersey and how heartbreaking and devastating that is, is something that we should talk about. I think there's people who don't give this enough, I guess, like empathy. And I, and I think the reason, and I could be wrong, a lot of times it's because of what I said. Some people have made decisions that land them behind bars that sent that get sentenced. But does that really take away their humanness so sure some some crimes may make you feel less sympathetic and like hey listen like you're a bad person like you deserve to be there but I would say in in my circumstance and, and with my family member I didn't feel that way I feel like people make mistakes I feel like situations happen and there are unfortunate outcomes and circumstances but then you come to a point of Hey, I wasn't in that scenario and I don't know where you turn off the feeling that this is your family member. If again, it's not this harsh like crime or a scenario like that. So it was a challenge to live my life at plenty of moments, but realizing that my loved one is sitting in a cell and seeing daylight for one hour out of 24. So for 23 and one lockdown for 23 and seeing daylight for an hour, sometimes if you're in isolation, if you're in the hole is what they would call it. If you're just by yourself for all that time, at least some of the time you have a a bunkie or a celly or whatever you want to call it that you're with. But a lot of those times and then meanwhile, I'm here going on trips, going on vacations, doing this, doing that. In the very beginning, it definitely was a weird thing. It was it was a hard feeling. And then also like when you get phone calls from those folks and then you're having these conversations, but you have things to do. It's some guilt there where it's like, I would love to sit and talk to you, but I have to do X, Y and Z. I would love to come and visit you, but I have to do this. And so you kind of get into this limbo situation where This person has lost their life as they known it in terms of their freedom, their, I would even say hope in those situations, but like you still have your life. So how do you find that balance in not feeling guilty, understanding these are their circumstances, but having that sorrow and missing their presence, missing their physical presence? It's, it's, 
in the situation of Brittany Griner, you're thinking, hey, she's going over here to, to finish her season in Russia and play these games, and I'll see her in a couple of months. But now, but now it's a possibility that her, she cannot see her family for the next nine years. And her family cannot see her for the next nine years because I don't even know what visitation looks like. I haven't even heard of that as a as an option. Any other family members who have had relatives detained in the U.S., I haven't heard anything about visitation or even being able to speak on the phone. I know there was a phone call that was set up that never actually happened due to the consulate, consulate and all of those things there over in Russia. So their communication, to my understanding, with their family has been written. That's a tough loss. That's a big loss. It, it, it really is. And so there's people who have had loved ones that are being incarcerated, but they're all the way in a different state where to travel on the weekend to go and make those visits is just not possible. Listen, my people was in prison in the same state that I was in, but that's still like an hour drive. It's still having to get kids and bring them to as well. And you know, go through all of these things, making sure that they have money on their books and that they feel supported and loved and not forgotten about. There's a lot of times where people get forgotten about because the circumstances, I think, are hard. And again, I can't generally speak because everything has layers to it. And I can only speak from my experience and based on the, the crime and the charges that my loved one faced. This was how it was for us that we want to try to make as many visits as you can. The other thing is I was kind of young. I was still a teenager, young adult. So I'm not as mature as I am now. And I was still trying to figure myself out in my life. And it was just a tough thing. But it was really heartbreaking because you see your life with your family. And then all of a sudden that person's not here. And then the, the burden that becomes on, on us. But then also what they're going through as well. Maybe you have someone that's in, in a psychiatric facility. And that's hard because, for one, if I'm just going to assume if they're in this circumstance, then the person that you knew, there's parts of that person that's actually not there as well. And I, and I know a close family friend who this, this kind of happened to. And I heard a lot of things like she's dealing with certain mental health things, mental illness is going on, and she's in a psychiatric hospital. And you can hear that. But when you see that, so I saw her post videos online and different things like that when she was out in between certain stays there. And it was heartbreaking because the person that I knew growing up, that's not that person. And that's scary. It's hard because in those scenarios, is it really even safe sometimes to be around that person? And that's where it becomes challenging because you want to still love them and support them and fight through whatever fight with them excuse me with whatever they're battling but then you got to protect your safety but that person is not in your scenario as far as family events and family functions and being able to allow them in your house like how wild is that talk about loss you can't even allow this person in your home you may not even be able to go visit them for for certain safety reasons that's hard so when we talk about grief and, and this sorrow and thinking about it from a death standpoint, but but think about it also as this, the point of parts of people and parts of life die. And that's really hard to cope and to deal with from time to time. It's 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 rough. And that was one of the things where talking to my family friend and it's like it's, it's hard, but you try to help. But then again, we're dealing with someone who's 
battling certain things mentally and that could be a challenge. So there's a lot of loss in that because the person who's dealing with the illness as well could feel like isolated or left behind or forgotten about, not fully aware of the circumstances. So it's multi-layered, but these are areas of grief that I want to talk about because I, I want you, if you are experiencing this or, or have seen that, to feel supported, to feel seen, to feel heard, like your journey and your battle matters. If you have an elderly parent who's now maybe dealing with dementia or anything like that, that's hard. I, I haven't been in those circumstances, but I, I, to an extent, I did have a family member who, who did have dementia, but it wasn't where they blatantly didn't say they didn't know who I was. I think he kind of played it off where he knew who we were to an extent, but that's tough. That's a big thing to have to cope with. And especially if you're taking care of them and that elderly loved one is in your home and now they don't know who you are. It's like, really? Like our whole life, all of our memories, especially if it's your parent doesn't exist because you don't know you're afraid of me. I would never harm you. These are areas that people have to continue to battle and deal with and cope with. That's rough, super rough. And a scenario that I was almost faced with when my dad was was dying is that one of the things was so he had lung cancer. And so it started to obviously make his breathing difficult. And they were like, oh, you know, he could be intubated and, and all of these things like that. So if you don't know what that is, that's basically a machine is breathing for you. But when they said to me was, would you want him to be in that state because the cancer is killing him? So even if his lungs were able to be able to move because of this machine, the cancer is still spreading through his body. So then he could become in this super vegetative state where he's not himself. He's, he's just a shell of himself, really. And he's still alive, though. So then now you have this loved one that's here and it's like what do we do? Like you're, you're alive, but you're kind of like dead to an extent. And that was terrifying. That was terrifying. So it's like, and that decision ended up being, okay, well, what is his quality of life going to be? I know that my dad didn't want to live like that. So having to make that choice, but I think in, in either scenario, it's hard because a person is, is dead and you no longer physically see them, but they're also to an extent dead and you do physically see them. And there are a lot of people who are in those circumstances where they have someone who may have just had an aneurysm or become in, in some kind of incapacitated manner, and but they're still here. And so that, that kind of leads to the other point where when we talk about the Brittany Griner situation and we know that she was sentenced to nine years and that she was found guilty, but we don't know how that circumstance is going to change. So I present this this viewpoint is that a lot of people are in scenarios where they cannot begin to cope because we don't even know what we're trying to cope. We don't even know what we're trying to to mourn. We don't know because there's still so many things that could change in a situation. And I think that happens, too, when you do have someone in that vegetative state or in an unconscious place where it's like or dementia, et cetera. And it's just like, well, they're still here but they're not. So like, how does the healing process even begin? I do think that some people start to grieve long before the actual person dies. And in a scenario of someone being incarcerated during like a trial period or just after someone has been arrested, maybe you do start to lean into the grief aspect because you're like, okay, I know that this might become a terrible outcome. So let me start preparing myself for it. 
But I don't know that that actually really helps. I will say in my circumstance, it necessarily didn't because let me change that. The pain was still intense. It was still devastating for me knowing that my father was probably going to pass away soon. So I knew about it, but I didn't really prepare myself to deal with it. Only thing I tried to do was to be really honest with myself and realistic about what was happening. So it didn't lessen the blow. It didn't change the pain, but it just allowed me to stay present in reality, if that makes sense. So there was less like of a hopeful spirit and more of a I got to make decisions and move based on fact because of my grandmother. I didn't do that. And I, I really t took a major blow by just feeling super hopeful that she wasn't going to die and it's not possible that this is going to happen. And then when it happened, it was so devastating. So when my dad died, it was truly devastating. Absolutely. But I, I kind of could accept the fact that this was going to probably be the outcome soon. So I don't know if, if that makes sense, but sometimes we're faced with situations where we would want to lean into the healing aspect, but it's like, what am I actually healing from? What is the real parameters of this scenario? What is the real potential outcome here? What will this healing journey and process actually look like? I don't know. Like if you're in Brittany Griner's family situation, you hear the nine year sentence, you're like, whoa. But then like, what if next week the prisoner swap happens and then she's free? So it's like, do I when when do I let my heart actually break? That could be where you are right now. That could be where a lot of us have been and, and are still and still balancing that because some of us are very hopeful. We're very optimistic where some of us might not be We're like, oh, that's a dub. That's over. That person's going to die. That person will never know who I am. They'll never speak again. Like even that, like the fact that someone can just like lose their ability to speak or, or lose their sight or lose their ability to, to hear you. It's so many things that happen where people are still alive, but a lot of their aspects of them and who they are and were aren't. And then them themselves are having to cope and deal with that. And so are the people on the other end. We got to continue to just give each other that love and understand that there are so many scenarios, so many circumstances that people are dealing with and facing every single day, every single day. And we will not see it. We will not see it. And it's just something to be said for that, too, that until we can actually see things for some reason, it's harder for us to maybe take it serious or have a certain level of empathy for someone. So if someone is bereaved and grieving and they're not walking around crying every single day or presenting as depressed or maybe they are depressed, but I'm saying showing these signs where you can say, hey, I think that person is depressed. I think they're down. I think they're they're miserable. They're upset. They're angry. But if they're just processing, my one friend said that she has the ability, what she thinks she does is she rationalizes like pain and rationalizes scenarios so then she can process better. Some people can't do that. Some people are just completely overwhelmed and you'll see every single emotion that they have. It will just be right out on front street. There's many of us that that's not the scenario that we internalize. And so you'll never really know. And so we have to truthfully be kind in every situation because you just don't know when you're saying your prayers at night. I try to pray for the people who are who are battling those silent battles, who are dealing with so many things. And I, I pray that someone comes your way that can help you, that you'll find to have those trusting conf conversations with and confidentiality. But again, someone was saying as far as like the monkeypox situation and then COVID-19, a lot of people didn't take 
coronavirus serious because it was something that we couldn't really see. You didn't look like you had COVID. So we're going to keep going out to clubs and partying and restaurants and doing all these things. But now when it comes to the monkeypox thing, a lot more people are taking it serious because it's something that you can physically see. So you can physically see this element and it's scary and it's terrifying. But yet to this point right now in the U.S., I haven't heard of anyone dying from the monkeypox, but from COVID-19, millions of people lost their lives. So, again, that just shows you how we operate in terms of perspective and what we can and can't see and then the validity and the seriousness that we put on it. So the same thing, I think, happens with people in their pain. If we can't see it, it must not be that bad. If you're not crying constantly, it must not be that bad. Meanwhile, some of the people that have the biggest smiles have the most broken hearts. Some of the people who have the biggest smiles have the most broken hearts. Like you would never know how many shattered pieces are just lying a trail behind every step they take, every word they take, everything, You, but you would never know. So let's not measure that based upon that and let's be kind to ourselves and be kind to others. I hope there was something here that, that you can apply to your life and, and we can just continue to send love to those that are incarcerated and family members that are having to deal and, and do the time with them and, and do the bid with them, those who have family members and mental Illness is, is, a, is a big thing and, and battling mental illness in a psychiatric hospital or those that are dealing with terminal illnesses that are in, are in actual hospitals or in, in a state of unconsciousness and dementia and so many different things and areas that we're dealing with. We're going to send tons of love and prayers and continue continuing to give you the support that you need on this healing journey. If you're watching on YouTube, drop me a comment. Let me know your thoughts. I, I definitely appreciate that and, and want to hear your perspective on that. If you're listening to the audio, leave us a review. And, and if you want to shoot me a DM, you definitely can do that. I'm always here trying to answer as many and have as many conversations back as I can. Comment on some of the posts or content that I have. I, I truly appreciate it and I welcome the dialogue. But you cannot do that if you're not following me on Instagram. So what are you doing? Make sure you go follow me there at I underscore AM underscore Jane Nicole. Guys, so next time you already know. Love and light. Peace. <laughs>